Um, in this session before lunch, I'm grateful, grateful for the Lord's leading because um, in the original plan, Steve wasn't going to be kicking off. Um, but Ash and I felt drawn in this session um, to talk about balancing home life and ministry, balancing parenting, uh, marriage with what we do, and just listening to Steve uh, talk about the church and the city and the home, um, it set us up greatly for this. But I just want to take us right at the start to um, a couple of passages of Scripture. The first we've, we've just read from um, Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And then the second scripture on this, uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 4, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So we want to talk about balancing uh, life and ministry, home life and things that we do at church. And just to say up front, we're, we're fellow learners. And uh, we'll probably tell you more about what has worked well for us than we will about what hasn't worked well for us. Uh, but we're fellow learners together. So Ash, just give, give us a bit of context yeah. in them just amazing as we were praying in our little groups afterwards we realized that two of us in that group for the first time at one of these kind of things our three spheres were all coinciding the the the, the church and the homeland the, the place and family like our, all of our kids are actually here so it's a little bit scary because stuff we say we can be followed back up by our kids who are listening um we are high school sweethearts we met and fell in love at high school um, and it was a great privilege to fall in love young, but also a great challenge. We had an awful lot of breakups and makeups, mostly not of my making. It was a <laughs> I was ready. Um, it was a long-distance relationship for most of the five years that we went out. Um, we were immature and untaught, so we are so grateful that we managed to make it to marriage and to have enjoyed being married for 24 years, and God has kept us. Mm. Uh, we have three sons that are 14, 17, and 18, um, and we have, we have planted or led three main churches in our lives. There have been little plants and sites from within that. But um, just to show that in different seasons, we have had different challenges with our families. The, um, the first church we planted, we were newly married and didn't have any children. And within that first church, we had all three children and went through the sort of babies and toddlers phase. In our second church, our children were five, four, and one and grew up through into the teenage years. And in the third church, which we have just come into, our children are in their middle and late teens. They are 18, 17, and 14. So we feel like we've had a good go in many different seasons in church life. Mm. First little section, and you understand this uh, following on from Steve's message, uh, is more some thoughts and learnings about how to do this um, than... Uh, talking us through a particular passage of scripture, but I do just want to start with a bit of a theology uh, on this. Two um, theologies that have helped us is complementarianism, which teaches us the biblical truth that we are equal in value, but different in role. And to settle that one 
uh, on the front end, uh, we have found liberating and freeing s s equal in value, separate in role, plus the, what the Bible teaches about the oneness of marriage. So the, the theology, if you will, of biblical marriage, complementarianism, and what the Bible teaches about the oneness of biblical marriage. We found blending those two together has helped us live lives that are not samey, there's great overlap, but they're not samey, but we feel very supported. So I will never be uh, a mother. I will never have the privilege of, um, I never did have the privilege of being pregnant with our sons. Ash has a bond with our sons that's different from mine, and uh, that partly because she had them in the womb for nine months. That wasn't my role in the Lord to have that. Um, Ashley will never be an elder. The three churches that we've uh, had the privilege of leading, she was never lead elder. She wasn't an elder. I'm an elder. And we find this equal in value, but different in role. And it's not, oh, we're different in role. It's like, Lord, you've made us different in role. With our genders and, and who we are, we're absolutely 100% fine with that. Sometimes you can be a bit wistful and wonder what it would be like. But this doctrine of being one, God's made us one in marriage, it pulls us together. So I, I hope really support Ash in being a mother. I feel super supported in being lead elder. I feel connect, Ashley's connected with me. She's not an elder, but there's still a oneness in, our elder, in, in my eldering. And as you know, when we talk of elder couples, we don't mean that they're both elders, but it's, it's, a, it's a shout out for, there's a oneness in marriage. We're very clear that the man is an elder, the woman isn't. So we, because we're clear, we're free to use a bit of language like elder couples that, that push us together rather than push us apart. Um, yeah. We've got a um, catchphrase. We often take phrases from movies and apply them to our lives. And one of them is from the movie Dave, where a guy pretends to be the American president and he's got a grumpy, unsupportive <laughs> wife. Um, and whenever she does something like a public appearance or something, he always goes, thank you for doing this, Ellen. And we've used this as a sort of catchphrase for like our little teamwork when one is joining in with the other's things. And we've used to sort of switch it. So if PJ comes to a school thing with me and I, you know, I'm about to say thanks so much for making it to the parent-teacher interview, he'll jump in and go, thank you for doing this, Ellen. Yeah. Um, and I could similarly sit down after this session and say, thank you for coming to this advanced conference with yeah. me, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we do that deliberately. So honestly, uh, um, Ash is brilliant on this. Um, sometimes she'll, she will say, thank you for coming to this advanced conference. Because it's not my thing, this is our thing. And she loves being part of Advance or going to a, a church meeting. You know, thanks for coming along to my church. And there's, there's a bit of joking in it. But uh, we just resist this thing that I do ministry and she does home. We do ministry and we do home. But how we do it looks a little bit different. But that's the beauty of it. You don't want two people doing exactly the same thing. It's much more breadth and it's just, it's the glory of the Lord. Um, the diversity of gender, we so appreciate that. Um, then, a bit of why home comes first. Um, four quick reasons. The family was created before society and before the church. Second reason, my family will always be with me. My eldership team won't. I've been part of several eldership teams over the years. And uh, I'm no longer part of some of those eldership teams. But my family is still with me. So there's a bit of pragmatics there. 
Um, 1 Timothy 3 is specific about elders' healthy homes. And if you think about um, your home life as the core and your hands as your, your ministry, um, survival experts say that if your extremities are getting cold, don't just put gloves on, warm the core. And we found, found that, that if ministry is a bit cold and a bit hollow and a bit, bit shallow, often it's not a case of fix ministry and put on gloves, it's work on the core, which is our relationship with Jesus and our home life. Um, ministry, when it's going tough but your marriage is strong, that, that's okay. It's when your marriage isn't going well and ministry isn't going well that it feels, feels overloaded. And lastly, just awesomeness. The family can be such a haven, such a place of comfort. Um, it's where we have the most fun and memories um, building within the family. Um, and they should be our favorite people, our yeah. favorite people on the planet. And we want to hang out together yeah. wherever we can. Yeah. Uh, Ash is going to do a section on knowing each other's needs. Yeah, my first point is know each other's needs. <laughs> and know each other's big needs. Um, for us, a, a helpful tool has been um, the love languages thing, knowing that I need quality time, I need to sit down, I don't just need the headlines of the day, I need the paragraphs and the detail. I know that PJ needs physical affection, he needs encouraging words, and that's been a learning for me. Instead of just saying, well done, I, you know, I can say what I think is just a rolled out thing, and he's still encouraged. Mm. So learning how to meet each other's needs, how to love each other, um, to keep developing romance. We're not just housemates who exchange information in a busy day. We love each other. We're so glad to be spending our lives together. <laughs> what else? Reading this. <laughs> Nothing else on that for now. <laughs> Reading the season and the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reading the season, both the timing of the season, it might be the season when you've got small kids or it might be a season when one of you is sick. Um, it might be a season where one of um, your kids has been ill who has been something particularly difficult. Or it could just be a busy period. Sometimes we have to say, uh, PJ has to say to me, listen, it's going to be really intense for the next couple of weeks. We've got this conference, I've got these meetings, we've got these people coming into town. It is just going to be busy, and we can kind of brace ourselves for that. But also sometimes it's not just the actual physical stuff going on. It's your heart capacity or emotional capacity. Um, and that could be because you're caring for elderly parents or, again, you know, looking after lots of little kids, and you've just got less emotional capacity, maybe yeah. particularly as the wife, to be involved mm -hmm. in other ministry stuff at church. Your ministry is primarily at home, maybe in those seasons. Um, I found after um, the season when PJ was, when he had cancer and he'd undergone chemotherapy, I had kind of stepped up to the plate and led in the home and, um, you know, ha had a different kind of role during that period. And afterwards, I found I needed to go into a period of recovery. And it was a bit weird. I felt like I had to keep explaining myself and why I wasn't really involved and why I didn't have capacity for other people. Yeah. Um, and I just felt God's kindness on me that it was a time of healing. And we had to realize that that was a season where I just needed recovery and needed to step back. Mm. So reading the season is really mm. good in terms of knowing each other. Um, keeping Just on that. So it was... It was we had to be really disciplined because when I came back in from cancer and being out of action for nearly nine months, it was, there was a, an expectation to get going again. And Ash just couldn't get going again. And she was flat as a pancake 
and it was after you know leading leading our family really for six to nine months and for about six months I don't remember her asking how anybody else was I mean she was very kind to myself and the kids and then one day I remember it clearly I remember where we were sitting in our old house in Joburg um, she said how's so-and-so doing she didn't quite look herself today and I thought she's back but we had to be disciplined you know we had to, we had to re really recognize that season and just say that's absolutely fine and we had people around us who, who helped uh, affirm with that and friends are such an important thing because when you you know Steve was talking about the three areas God's house the city that needs Jesus and your family keeping those three moving together when you love all of them um, you just we, we, we found we, we need people around us to say hey just dial back on that one it'll be absolutely fine without you Jesus has got it yeah so good linked to that um, with friends they can read your season for you sometimes better than you but also keep fun in your in your family life mm. and knowing each other that uh, church leadership can be pretty intense and you're working with people mm. all the time make sure that it stays fun mm. and that you're keeping fun at home um, we we have something we call Friday night friends where you can just hang out and watch a movie and have pizza and not talk about important things uh, getting on outings, making sure you're getting outside enough, um, making sure you're laughing enough. It was good. Steve did that list. And one of them is if you realize you're not laughing much together mm. anymore. Sometimes we even have to organize compulsory fun just <laughs> to make sure that we're having some fun. <laughs> it starts becoming fun after a little bit. Um, <laughs> doing a marriage booster course of, of some sort every now and again. Um, we try to do something every year, make sure that we've read a book that will help us in our marriage or in our parenting, going on a course that will equip us. Even pre-marriage counseling, we love doing that with people in the church because we find we're so blessed and our marriage is mm. strengthened as we're talking to a young couple who are looking to get married. Mm. Um, with regards to our boys, um, in the ministry, both for ourselves, there is great blessing, but there is also great cost. And everyone in this room will know that. And that extends to your kids and to your family. Even as we said earlier, most people here is a cost to us being here, not just financially, but you've, some of you have left a wife at home and some of you have left kids mm -hmm. at home. Um, and we have tried to work into our family the cost and the blessing, the mm -hmm. pain and the privilege, and teach our kids that mm -hmm. as well. Um, teaching that that's a normal part of following Jesus. It's not just, you know, you know, businessmen have that as well in secular jobs, but it's like we're following Jesus and there is cost, but mm. there's also great privilege. Um, our kids have a worldwide family and they're enjoying the benefit now. Like our kids have a relationship with you guys in this room that's separate from us. Mm. They have a relationship with other people's kids. We have people in our home. They've got an amazing network of relationships mm. because of this. Um, they um, sometimes when PJ's gone away and he's been given some money for speaking, he'll come home and he'll share it. He'll just dish it up five ways and say, you can spend this money on whatever you want. Or we'll put it into a weekend away. And we won't just say, oh, lucky us, what a bonus. We'll say, this was a cost for you because dad missed your birthday or he missed being mm. at school when you got that prize or he missed your sports day. But now we're going to celebrate mm. because of the kindness of Jesus to us. Mm. Um, 
when we've, when we've had to miss important occasions like birthdays, we've talked about it in those terms, just like, oh, you know, we haven't sort of said, you know, the church takes everything away from us. We've talked about the joy of mm. being part of the church as well. Mm. Um, a, a guy who was so helpful to us is a guy called Rory Dyer, who many of us know. And he came into our home and he just, he brought presents for our kids and he just was such a blessing to them. And he said he was taught it by a guy called Tom Tapping, who is in this room. And that was a great little turning point for us on how to, when we go into other people's homes as well, that the whole family is in the ministry together. Um, so just balancing that up and teaching them about those two the two sides of that mm. and we haven't gone for the the pastor's kid you know what a tough gig that is we've gone for what a blessing mm. you lucky kids yeah. it's an amazing thing yeah. to be a pastor's kid yeah. Yeah. Um, boundaries on travel um, some of us travel more than others but um, something that's been helpful for us helpful for us in terms of of ministry travel is having a, a quota um, I find that if we've put too much travel in the diary I start to feel it a bit, and it's a bit too late. <laughs> we go into panic mode and reaction mode. So when we plan our calendar, um, we've worked in a quota system that um, PJ will try and only be away a certain number of mm. nights a year, and we try and balance it over a season so that it's not all through three months and then nothing for the rest. Mm. We try and spread it. We try and miss um, planning it over special occasions so that we're there for birthdays, but if we're not, mm. refer back to previous point. And then in terms of what do I do with, we work around priorities, again, trying to be there for important times for the kids, like exam periods, or if one is struggling. Even a friend who was here early in the week has gone back because her kids are writing exams, and they were just a bit shaky without her. Um, and also, what's the best bang for buck? What kind of meetings are PJ, is PJ going to? Is it a conference like this where there's loads of wives as well? I'm going to be building relationship, I'm going to be receiving input, I'm going to be coming back full of faith with him, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. What's, what's the best use of my time mm -hmm. in terms of going with? Mm -hmm. And just a couple of other things, praying together, keeping us on the same page, keeping our hearts in faith together, um, remembering that we've got a good father. We are in this together, but we're in it as kids of a good father. Um, and Psalm 16 says that he is our portion and the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when it doesn't feel like a very pleasant place, remembering that he is a good father and adjusting those mm -hmm. a little. Jesus intended this to be life to the full, life in abundance. Mm -hmm. So when it's not feeling like that, we check ourselves. Mm -hmm. And staying the course. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is just tough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like cost and sacrifice and fighting for joy. And sometimes we win that season because we're just still standing at the mm. end. Mm. Great. Uh, a couple of smalls, and then I want to talk just for a moment about parenting. So some smalls. Uh, we found it helpful to talk to friends, trusted friends, about stuff before it escalates. And uh, that's just been a blessing to us. Before things get too far, check in with others. And almost always, the others we mention it to say, oh yeah, we have that as well, or um, we used to have that, and we don't now, and here's, here's how we dealt with it, and it just takes the pressure out of the, the thing you're wrestling with be before anyone gets bruised. Um, be honest, um, we have some friends who, wonderful Christians, wonderful marriage, but when you say, how are you doing, they say, oh, we're a 10, meaning 10 out of 10, how's your marriage, 10 out of 10. And I appreciate the kind of 
they're speaking life, you know, over it. But it, we never find that particularly helpful because <laughs> our marriage is sometimes a 10, but, but often it isn't. And, um, you know, as leaders, we don't want to wear our heart on our sleeve. We want to point people to Jesus, not always to where we're at. But I think it's great. I think it's, it's helpful to be uh, honest and vulnerable about w- where you're up to. So we've had seasons where um, our sex life has been great. And then we've had other seasons where it really hasn't been great at all. And we've just kept going, and I've taken cold showers, and, you know, and, and uh, or I haven't been the one in the mood, can you believe it? And we've, we've had real seasons, we've been married 24 years, and um, it's just been up and down, you know? And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not saying... <laughs> I told you to pick your moment. Is that? <laughs> I told you to pick your moment. Things have been very up and down. Um, sometimes if we're going out, you know, we're going over to friend's, friend, friend's house and we have a bit of a scratchy time in the car and, and we arrive there and, you know, you put on your game face. We're just, we're just through with that. We're, we arrive and we say, how are you doing? So, oh, we've actually just had a bit of a, you know, one of those. Can you just give us a moment? <laughs> Hello, give us a moment. Um, Keep improving. Um, Don't be harsh on yourselves. We're nearly a quarter of a century into our marriage, and we're doing so much better year on year. Um, But we're still improving year on year. And uh, we chat to our friends who are in their 50s and 60s, and they say they're still learning. Just we can settle into a rhythm of of steady learning. Planning helps. Um, When we get ahead of our planning for the year, particularly putting in days off and vacations and uh, other bits and pieces. Ash feels more secure. Sometimes you have to adjust it, the plan, but it's good to, to have a plan. Um, know yourself. Like I'm a very much what's in front of me, I go for uh, fully. So um, I'm actually quite good value if I say it myself when we do get on vacation, but I mustn't have any devices. I leave all devices. I don't take a phone, don't take an iPad, don't take a, a, a laptop. Because if, if anything sneaks back in from church, I can get a bit focused. And, and when, the, when I go away, if, if my colleagues say, hey, we'll contact you if, this, if something really serious goes down. I say, no, don't, don't. <laughs> Just when you please don't contact me, something really serious goes down. We're on vacation. Um, leadership in marriage and parenting. Steve uh, spoke a, a little bit about this. Um, I try, I don't always succeed, but I try to be as front-footed and innovative um, with leadership in the home as I do in ministry. And um, at my best times, it would be brainstorming with myself, taking advice, what, what can I do to help our family unit do better as a family unit? And uh, thinking as carefully about marriage and parenting and home community life as I do about church community life. And this passage that, that Steve preached on, Psalm 127, has been a real cracker for us, that it's talking about a warrior, not an archery hobbyist. This, this guy who's making his arrows and they're in his quiver, he's not one of those dudes who every Saturday morning uh, does a little bit of archery. He's a warrior who's thinking, I need to make these arrows good because my life might depend upon that, that one day. So we've tried to keep parenting as um, 
a major part of our lives, not, not a tag on as and when we have time. Arrows need to be carefully made. We need to give thoughts to how we're raising our children. Carefully made. And arrows go where we can't go. Whether it's our own children, some of us don't have children, we've got lots of spiritual children, they're going to go places that, that we are unable to go. And that, getting that sense of destiny into ourselves. Having a big vision for small people. And we've thought through parenting... Um, a grid that's helped helped us to discover is there's three ways to parent. Parent-centered parenting, child-centered parenting, God-centered parenting. Now, parent-centered parenting is a way of parenting that's more about the parents than it is about the kids. And the advantage is that the kids do not grow up thinking that they're the center of the universe. The disadvantage is they grow up realizing that their parents think that they are the center of the universe. And parent-centered parenting, we found early on in our marriage, uh, resulted in us, particularly me, either under-parenting or over-parenting. Because if my life is more about me than it is about Jesus and is about others, um, I, can, I can consider our, our boys to be a bit of a nuisance on the side, and I can abdicate and neglect, because I'm too busy with oh-so-important me. Or what happens is I over-parent, because... Life's fundamentally about me, important me, and, and uh, just get in line, just get in line. No, that's it, in there, that box, there. And there's just uh, an over-parenting that goes on, and neither's good. So that's parent-centered parenting. Child-centered parenting, it just kind of feels like you've joined your baby's family <laughs> rather than the baby's joined yours. And... Uh, and you, when you meet parents like that, you, you can spot it. Um, when you're like that, you usually need someone else to point it out. We've had, we've had people helping us uh, with our parenting over the years, Christians and non-Christians. And uh, it's hard to take criticism on things that, cl that close to home, but we've, we've, we've tried just to swallow and go a bit red and say thank you, and then, then act on it. And uh, child-centered homes... Um, raise kids really who who think the world is more about them than about others or more about them than about about the lord so so that's uh, one one to watch uh, usually parenting is exhausting but parenting in a child-centered home is even more exhausting than it it should be then there's god-centered which is really raising them to know jesus raising them to be arrows raising them to serve him in the way you raise your kids being modeling your faith and, and living it out <coughs> and uh, then making every decision according to faith and according to the word of God. So we've, we've made several moves as a family, our most recent move here to America and I do know we're only five months in and we're trusting the Lord for our boys, we're trusting the Lord for ourselves. But the books say do not move when your kids are 14, 16, 18. <laughs> They've got their own lives, man. They've got their own lives. No, they haven't. Not if you've brought them up. Our lives are not our own. Our lives belong to the Lord. Well, they've got their own friends. Yeah, but, but Jesus is better. And uh, leaving a comfortable life, a very wonderful church, school, friends in Joburg. Wow. Wow. Well, he left. He left heaven to come to us. So we've been working through this as a family, and uh, the gospel is powerful. 
the gospel really does help. The gospel is fortifying for both, both parents and children. God-centered way of raising kids. And often a God-centered way of raising kids is, so even saying with our kids as they get older, oh, we, just, we just need God's help as a family at the moment, don't we? That's still a God-centered way. Saying we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. That's a God-centered way. So God-centered isn't squeaky clean and all perfect. It's just a, it's, it's a collective Moving as a your little collective, it's trying to move always in a Godward direction and a Bible direction. And then uh, three things that we've tried to do with raising kids, and, and they're out of Scripture. <coughs> we think the main, main instructions to parents are to raise kids that believe, believe in kids, as his children would believe, uh, not disobedient, flip it, so they'll be obedient, so believing, obedient, and uh, respectful. And uh, we think of respectful, particularly in terms of manners. So we've tried to go for helping them know and love Jesus, which starts with them knowing and loving, knowing his love for them, Uh, believing, obeying, getting into a habit early on in life of obedience, because that serves us well in life, right? So we taught them when they were younger, obey because we tell you to, Uh, not because you understand. Uh, When they're young, it's obey because I say so. And, and we found that a lot of following the Lord is like that, that we don't understand his instruction to us to do that. But we don't just move when we understand his instruction to us. We move because he's, he's told us to. So you lay that in early. As they get older, you want to help them with their internal uh, decision-making process. And then we will start to explain things more. And as they get older, explain things even more as inner Um, self-discipline develops but early on in life it's just external discipline that they need and we're just unashamed we were unashamed about that so raising believing children um, live it we live it when we make mistakes we say sorry and when we say we know we haven't pleased Jesus and our kids have seen that we bring them into that but living our faith even smaller children particularly five six seven eight from then onwards they they just know if you're faking it they see you all the time. So just don't fake it. Be the same person in public as you are in private. Um, then here's the really challenging bit. The gospel is that God, uh, God accepts us, um, not on the basis of our obedience, but on the basis of his love. And it's uh, out of that that we begin to obey and do good works. The challenge with parenting is it's flipped around. Early on, there's so much, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, do that, don't do that. And we've got to find a way of parents as still bringing imperatives to bear, but without teaching them that auth- Christian authority figures are all about good behavior or bad behavior. We've somehow got to smuggle in the fact that we love them when they're good, we love them when they're naughty, we love them all the time. That's got to be the headline. So that when they do do things wrong, still the big story is, I know that I would be just as much loved if I hadn't done that thing wrong as if I did do that thing wrong. And before I'm disciplined, my parents love me as much as they do after I'm disciplined. Somehow we've got to get that in. And there's no secret source for this but a phrase that helped us and they learned it off by heart and we we probably said it thousands of times over the these 18 years <coughs> is we love you when you're good we love you when you're naughty we love you all the time that's one
Another one is, I'm your earthly father who's quite good. You've got a father in heaven who's fantastic. And we keep teaching them, your father in heaven, he always gets it right. Your earthly father won't always get it right. And we found that those two concepts have helped. Now, it's early days, our boys, and they're in the room now. They're 14, 17, and 18. But all we can say is to now, it seems to have helped them uh, get the grace of God. And, and they, they're not three little Pharisees by the grace of God at the moment. Um, also on believing kids, not too, we, we haven't tried to press too much too soon. And if they are poorly behaved in church, we just say uh, we'd rather have a bad reputation than come down too hard on the kids. Um, not too much too soon, not too intense. Uh, we do family devotions. We don't do family devotions enough. <coughs> uh, if I look back, I'd want to do them more. <coughs> but we have a great time when we do do them. And I make it compulsory that everyone prays at least a short prayer. So I said, even if you're grumpy, everyone's just going to pray a short prayer. And Ben, um, who's our middle son, and he, he's done a lot of this kind of thing over the years. He's been great and a so great source of sanctification for us. Um, so so we, everyone's going to pray a prayer. So Jack prays a nice prayer. Sam prays a nice prayer. We pray nice prayers. It's Ben's turn. He just goes, dear Jesus, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> And we just laugh and enjoy. It's become a great story uh, to tell. Don't get too intense. On uh, raising obedient children, um, we've had a catchphrase that goes, I must obey straight away with a good attitude. I must obey straight away. So obedience is immediate uh, with a good attitude. And a, a tip on this is um, obedience doesn't come naturally to humans. So when they're two, you know, the terrible toddlers and all the rest, just saying, obey, obey, it doesn't do enough. We found that to do role play has really helped. So um, we would, if, if we say to Sam, um, Sam, you, no, you can't have that. And he falls in a heap on the floor. <laughs> we say, okay, let's do that again. I'm going to say the same thing to you again. You can't have that. This time you've got to stay standing. Just get your feet far apart. You can't go down in a heap on the floor. And, and, and when they're two, it sounds funny now, when they're two, it makes sense. And, and when these, excellent. Okay, what's something else that you really want? Chocolate. Okay, let's practice again. You can't have any chocolate, Sam. Stay standing. Stay standing. Um, and then... And then Sam, Sam, he, he's so sweet. When he, when he was younger, and he, he would obey, but not with a good attitude. So I must obey straight away. So he would obey straight away, like turn off the TV and come to the table. And we'd say, Sam, do it again, but smile. And he would go, no, his, his face. We'd say, that's great. Fake smile, that's better, smile. Lift your shoulders now, because he would go like this. Lift your, lift your shoulders and he brought us such joy because he had this fake smile, a little kid this high, lifting. Oh, that's excellent. We need to teach them what... <laughs> Got to actually teach them. Think about it. And, the, and elders, this is what it's like. We scheme, don't we? How can we help, our, help disciple our people? Scheme and dream and think and strategize. How can I help my kid learn what obedience with a good attitude is like? Um, then on manners, uh, being respectful. Again, the... the we, <laughs> 
all we've done is over the years is, is role plays. We have a thing, we had a thing called manners mornings, when we'd get the our three together. So we're going to do different aspects of manners, and we would just role play. Um, and it would be okay, guys. This time we're going to practice um, saying hello to people. They're, they're just yay high, this big. They practice saying hello to people. So, Ash, you're going to be the stranger. Can you go out the room? And she goes out, and I say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. When she comes in, stand up. And uh, then I want you to look in her face and shake her hand. And she would do that. And um, they would do that one at a time. We'd clap. And um, sometimes the handshake wasn't for, do it, do it, shake a bit hard. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. Um, and no, don't look there. Look, look in the face. Because in our culture, I know it's different from culture to culture. In our culture, it's most polite to look someone in the face. So we'll do that. Then we'll do another one. Uh, you walk into a room full of strangers. What do you do? Turn and run out? No. You go around and, and you say hello. And they're just this big when we're practicing. Here's another one. Uh, the doorbell rings and we're watching TV. Someone goes for the remote, turns the TV off, and we all move to say hello. And you make it fun. You, you do it as you go. What other ones have we done with? Um, I, think, I think you got the idea, but role-playing, thinking through has, has been helpful. Okay, those are the tips. Oh, yeah, one other one. Shy is rude. Um, but we just It's great fun as parents. You can just make up the rules and tell your kids what they are. You can, you can make normality what you want it to be. So from the get-go, we, we said, oh, shy is rude. No, no, no smiles aren't shy. Smiles aren't shy. So there's no you know, going behind mummy and daddy's legs, it's, and you, you train them to walk around and, and say hello, shy is rude. So the Lord will give you cool little things like this that just help unlock a, a, a pattern of behavior. Okay, last section, elders, wife, etc., um, so what does it mean to be an elder's wife? Um, it's a slightly surreal world because in one sense, it's not a position. Your husband is the elder. Um, and in another sense, it is a position. You can, your character and your conduct can help qualify your husband for eldership and it can also help disqualify him. So um, working it out can be a little bit tricky. Um, but I think the essential core of it is to carry on being yourself following Jesus. Um, you don't need to start dressing differently, having a different hairstyle, suddenly taking over the children's ministry. We play to gifts. You might take over the children's ministry if you are particularly gifted at children's ministry, but we don't have to sort of fulfill these things that that's what the elders' wives do. This is the way the elders' wives look. This is the way they react. It's not, that's not written down in the Bible. Um, some elders' wives may be called to a higher profile level of ministry because they're gifted in that way. Some will be different, uh, will be gifted in other areas. Um, be free to be yourself. Don't be pressurized into an elder wife thing that, that shouldn't be on you. Um, the thing you are called to do is to be the, a great wife to the guy you married who now happens to be an elder. Um, but, um, you know, PJ mentioned, because you're one flesh, we are one, and we believe in being together, you are a key part to that part of his life. Um, the second thing is to continue to be a great member of your local church. All of us want to be 
the best members of our own local church, being involved and in giving our thing, ourselves to serving others, being faithful in all things, as 1 Timothy 3 says, to keep doing all the things that we would have been doing anyway if we weren't an elder's wife, mm. loving Jesus, being passionate about our church. It's a privilege to be involved, mm. being actively involved as a member, um, and doing this from an in inward motivation to serve Jesus, not from a motivation of mm. my husband will get in trouble if I behave badly or I'm not involved. Mm. Where do your gifts lie? Go for it there. And then thirdly, continuing to be a great wife to your husband, um, being a helper to him um, in every area, including his role as an elder, um, praying for him and encouraging him providing him perspective on the state of the church from your position. We can provide amazing perspective. We mm. talk to different people. We gain mm. insight from different people. Um, how amazing for him to have an involved, plugged-in member of the church providing first-hand feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're passionate and loving the church, and we can help him see from things some things that, we, that he might not see on the ground. We also don't need to know everything. I am naturally nosy, and I like to know what's going on, but I've learned that it is not always helpful for me to know everything that's going on. And obviously, a lot of stuff that goes on in elders' meetings is confidential, and they won't be telling us anyway. But sometimes, even when it's not confidential, it's not helpful for me to know, because if I do know, I can take up against another person without knowing the full context. It's harder for me to get over because I'm not in the follow-up session. So just that little balance. And maybe just a word on the elders' wives as a group. It is great to hang out um, for friendship's sake and to build warmth within a team, but not to be an exclusive group. The elders are a team of men who meet to lead the church, but the elders' wives don't have to be an exclusive group with their own function. Mm -hmm. Include and draw in other gifted women. Um, it's a slightly weird thing because elders are you know, appointed for what's in them, but there's women in the church whose husbands might not be saved, whose husbands might not be eldered, who are more gifted than us. Draw them and use them. Mm. Um, look at women in a different way like that. And don't separate yourselves as an inaccessible group. There's the elders' wives, and then there's the other ladies in the church. Yeah, yeah. Great. I think we'll, we'll we've got a couple more points, but that's a good place to leave it. Our time is gone. It is uh, time for lunch. Let's pray together. Father, we, we ask that uh, these little bits of experience and uh, thoughts would prove helpful. Lord, whatever isn't helpful for situations, I pray would just fall, fall to the side. And we ask you to please keep training us and tutoring us in this balance of uh, your house, the city, and our family units. We want to serve you so well in all three and uh, we need your help in each season of life. So we look to you, Lord. We want to be men and women of integrity, the same in public as we are in private. And we ask for your continued help with us. In Jesus' name, amen.